hello friends uh, my name is steve i forgot my name for a minute there but we are here to talk berserk <laughs> volume nine in that is a deluxe edition number three and joe as always is showing off his og version special <laughs> advisory sticker right there yes actually i actually want to talk about those covers here in a second but before we do that um dolores will you kick us off with introductions please Sure. My name is Dolores. I am happy to be with the crew today. It's been a while, but I can't wait to talk about volume nine of Berserk. Glad you can make it. Mm-hmm. We missed you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and uh, Joe? I'm Jason Byrne, author of Wistful Ascending and various other books. I'm writing book four right now. And um, I am here because I love Berserk and I haven't read it in like too long. So here we go. Nice. And uh, of course, Varsha. Hi, I'm Varsha. I have a tiny YouTube channel called Reading by the Rainy Mountain. And I occasionally post on it. I may or may not have some videos planned for next week. We will see. <laughs> you you uh, have a small, ch- or small newer channel, but you have very big plans coming soon. Yes, I yes. do. <laughs> very, very big things happening over there. So everyone, everyone be sure and check it out. Thank you. So, uh, so yeah, so volume nine, before we get into it, I, well, we'll talk about, we'll, we'll talk about the covers after, I guess, but had a, a comment on the cover and the covers in the back of this book. But uh, before we went live, we were talking about some translations and it looks like some of the wording was fixed in the, in the deluxe editions versus Joe's uh, OG version. So we haven't done a, a long comparison and I don't remember. I, so I originally read most of these as scanlations. That's where like um, uh, uh, amateurs would scan manga that weren't available in the U.S. Do you all? Uh, maybe everyone knows already about this, right? They just post them online with the English translations. I read a lot of manga like that. I, um, um, Dean was talking about this uh, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I never know like how good the translations are. Like sometimes they're obviously bad. Sometimes they're excellent. It really varies because you're getting just people volunteering. They're not getting money. You're not paying for this stuff. So then I noticed that there's a, there's at least one scene where the skeleton knight's talking, and he's saying some stuff that I found vague and weird, and it was different in the, in the, um, you know, in, in my book it's um, he's giving the big speech. You and your friends, those yet unseen of the fleshless flesh. And that unkingly half of yours shall all be gathered. Okay, so if anyone can see that. And if you look at Steve's book, they changed that half. Oh, I can't quite see it. But anyway, they changed some of the wording. Not dramatically changed, but they changed it. So I feel like we we probably all do well to have some kind of fluent Japanese speaker on this screen, but that's not it. So we have to not much to ask. <laughs> but there's an interesting like philosophical point to be made here, which is that we all now have to read this book with the understanding that we may have a, a flawed translation and not much access to anything else because of who we are, right? So there's this like layer of 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 I don't know. I feel like I could have written a paper about this back when I was in grad school studying philosophy <laughs> and texts, which I did. <laughs> Poorly, but well, I dropped out, so that's why I'm not Doctor Bird. I was I was going to ask you about the path from philosopher to programmer and whether those are related. <laughs> no. Oh well, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're if you're good at logic, you can program, and if you're good at logic, a lot of philosophy is, is, is mm -hmm. depends on what field of what kind of philosophy you do. But a lot of it is, it's actually a lot of very similar. You learn hmm. words, you use them very technically. There's a lot more common. You asked me before about the thing with the connection between programming and writing fiction. There's a lot more connection between programming and writing philosophy, at least hmm. like American like uh, 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 continental stuff's different, but the American stuff is very analytical mm. anyway interesting yeah but i put a lot of philosophy in my books because i figure if i spend all that time reading freaking sartre i gotta use it somehow <laughs> Certainly not helping me every day job. <laughs> anyway uh uh so we have to keep in mind that our translation as always is not quite may not always capture the original intent mm -hmm. i'm sure that's always true but i think it's more true when something's as sort of complex as this i think if you're reading a lot of manga they're very you know language is very straightforward and here it's really not so we always always that like niggling like worry yeah <clears throat> i think especially the parts that feel very abstract and difficult to follow yeah um i don't know if that's deliberately abstract or if you know we lost something in translation like this one definitely we changed things up like the part of your determined to rule versus the unkingly half that's even not saying the same thing so yeah well uh, just really quickly our friend esme is here uh, drop by she <laughs> left but i have absolutely zero reason to be here and i'm gonna jump out real quick before spoilers start but i just want to say hi and wish you a lovely chat hope you all had a great weekend esme is everywhere she is yeah which is like phenomenal and, and 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 frightening yes <laughs> she reads like yeah like so many yeah i can't keep up and austin's here hey austin thanks for coming by hope everything's well with you so we talked we had we had a long chat before we went live <laughs> but, but uh, another another thing that we talked about was how how intense this volume is mm -hmm. it was where do you start? I know that's the thing. Uh, I mean, we have another prophecy, right? Another, uh, I don't know, foreshadowing of stuff to come. Uh, I think in last in the last uh, discussion that you had, uh, you all referenced at some point about the hand. Like, where is the hand <laughs> gonna like get chopped off, or you know, when does he convert? And so every time I read an issue, I'm like, well, maybe it's this one. Maybe it's gonna be here. I'm gonna. We're gonna get the hand reveal, right? <laughs> I, I have a suspicion the hand is going to happen in volume thirty. That's the end so? of the arc, right? <laughs> yeah, or, or something. I just I keep waiting for this hand, and yeah, I guess that's the reason why I keep reading is because I want to know when the ha what happens to the hand. <laughs> I, got off. <laughs> I know it gets chopped off, but you know, it reminds me of that movie from the 80s. Do you remember the hand, the horror movie, where the hand got chopped off of the the I think it was Michael Caine's character, and then it came to life and then it was like going around killing people? Does anybody remember this? I do. <laughs> I to total 80s movie back then. I I think it was Michael Caine in it. And I think it was called The Hand. But yeah, The Hand got chopped off. So could you imagine uh, Guts' hand taking a life of its own? 
<laughs> that could be a, like a, a little sub branch of this, right? Like something you could create. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Think of all the books you could write about Berserk's hand. Uh, like, not, not Berserk, but Gut's hand. That's his hand. Yeah, and it too can wield a large sword. <laughs> Just imagine this ad. Okay, sorry, Just I digress. Yeah, it's yeah, an evil sorry. Dead thing too. I was thinking Evil Dead. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, okay. Doesn't his hand come back and fight him a bunch of times? Yeah, or you know, they have this like philosophical like standoff, like, "Hey, you're part of me," but it, and it could say, "No, I'm not part of you anymore. I'm I'm my own." You know, very philosophical, right? Like, are we part of one? And all these other things. So I, I foresee if somebody was really good at it to go and make a little spinoff. Hmm. <laughs> Very little. Yeah. yeah. Guts. Point five. The hand. Yeah. yeah. Just G. <laughs> there you go. That'd G. be better. G. Just G. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this, this volume, I think volume seven, eight, and nine have been my favorite only because of uh, just the plot line moving along and there's so much coming at you. You're just like, wow, they're starting to feel like they're part of something like life is starting to settle again. Right. And just when you think that things are going good, something else comes along and pulls the rug right out from underneath them. And uh, I don't know. I think one of the themes in this particular volume that comes up is the sense of accountability, responsibility, and um, it, it's like we make decisions and because of those decisions, there are consequences from those actions. So I think that's kind of a theme that's running through uh, this particular volume right now. Um, there's a part where Casca even says like, I blame you for breaking up. I think she says, she's like, I blame you for breaking up the Hawks. I blame you. It's like, why, why are you blaming him? because he chose to go and walk his own path. I, he, I, to his credit, he just comes back and says that. Like, you know, he doesn't just say, you're right, it's my fault. He comes back and says, I was just doing my own thing like Griffin told me we should. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. But it's, you know, it's always that, that trick between um, when someone is the cause, cause of something because of what they did versus being like blameworthy for it, mm -hmm. right? Like if I'm just driving along and someone jumps in front of my car and I hit them and they, you know, I might, I might have caused their death, but I might have been driving very responsibly and they just did something. So you might say, well, I was the cause, but was I to blame? And those are two different. This is, yes. this is a hypothetical. I'm not actually just coming back from you know, running someone over with my car, just so we're clear. Anyone watching? I you. Sure, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I have to watch her out. There's blood on my grill. I don't know where it came that, that deer came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> it was either me or the deer. So, hey. But yeah, you can see why she blames him. I mean, again, in that sense that he's the causal effect, but you know, and I think she, but she even kind of knows that mm -hmm. didn't do anything. Like she's admitting, you know, pretty quickly, she's like, all right, you're, you're right. You know, you didn't do anything wrong, even though you were the immediate cut, but that's hard. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. That's hard. I, I wondered uh, what Griffith did with the princess. If uh, I don't know if if Guts hadn't left, if he would have had like a longer term plan where he, you know, used legitimate means to get to the princess. Um, so 
yeah i have many questions about his intentions around that like did he actually seek comfort in her or was he um just because he got punished for it so and given how calculating he is it seems unlikely that that was his planned route to get the kingdom uh so yeah yeah i i have i i like to read more into griffith's intentions but yes i also felt a little bit like i was on with casca in the sense that you know what griffith's uh, sorry gats is leaving uh probably griffith after a year of torture no matter what his mental state was before now he's probably going to be willing to make the sacrifices that we know he probably did and he lost the behlet if it came back to him then the behlet has a mind of its own probably but you know it well <laughs> it always does right but it goes back to the, another theme that's kind of woven through all of these volumes is are is are the lives of these characters predetermined so you know has it already been written out that this is exactly what's going to happen so or is it free will do you have the choice um do you make the decision to you know take certain actions so there there's this constant like back and forth between are am i making the choice because it's of my own free will or is it predetermined by some higher source yeah the so skeleton knight seems to think that there's some there's at least wiggle room mm -hmm. he guts that he says you may have an effect as long as you remember to keep struggling that's your job but as long as you do and which is really what guts is good at so like fair enough but, <laughs> um but he does seem to, i mean everyone seems to imply even even the the, the the god hand have always sort of implied that there's you know, maybe, maybe you know, 90% of everything is going to go, but there are like places where you can have a, you, you can have an effect on stuff. It's not just, it's not just like dominoes laid out. Mm -hmm. I guess, I don't know. So they all seem to, so the, the mystical people that we've seen who seem to know stuff do say that, you know, they say that the, what, what's his name, that the count early on had a choice, sacrifice his daughter or not, right? They say the the skeleton knight tells, tells guts, you, you have, you may be able to, change things somewhat uh you're still going to suffer a whole lot like that's done you don't get a choice on that but you may still have an effect of some kind mm -hmm. so, i don't know which is you know probably accurate i, I did I, I agree with varsha about um griffin he's so for for as calculated and and um strong-willed and he's man he man, he's managed to do all these things for him to fall apart and to go up, do that with the prince to pursue the princess, um, out of, because he was upset about guts leaving, seems a little out of character for him. It seems a little like it was a little too reactionary for someone who's planned all this time what he wanted to do for for that to set him over the edge. Unless guts has some other type of meaning or significance to him that we don't know yet, that he knows that we don't know, but it seems. Seemed like, uh, I, I guess, I, mean, I don't know. It seemed a little out of character. It was too big a break, too big a break, right? A too small, uh, like, even if your best friend, like, leaves you, it's like, yeah, it's not going to make you come. It's almost like he was, he's brittle. You know, the whole glass cannon, like, he was so strong, but so brittle that one crack just shattered it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't, I don't know that I buy it. I also find Griffith 
less compelling as a character because I agree. Mm. Right? Like it's it's a little overly, like he just threw everything away. Yeah. We've, we've seen no vulnerability in him so far and then suddenly he's falling apart like that. <laughs> uh, maybe he's just never been left or he has some older abandonment issues. Uh, he's never failed, right? I mean, I don't know if he's as much upset because Guts left or because he failed to keep to keep Guts there. I mean, I'm torn between those two interpretations. Yeah. But I, right, like, because it was the first time we've seen him say, I want you to stay. And he gets beaten in a sword fight where he had never been beaten before. In a sword mm -hmm. And it's like, and that, and but to have that shatter you, I'm like, dude. Mm. You know, like. So the loss shatters him, mm. you think. Or mm. he can't over, he doesn't know how to overcome an obstacle because he's never had obstacles placed in front of him. Well, he's, so when, he's never failed. He's had obstacles, but he's yeah. managed to overcome them. He's always been able to work his way through if he really tries. Mm -hmm. And this time he really tried and it didn't work. It didn't work. Didn't but work. I, at this point, I also think that Guts has more, it just has, it just is much more powerful than Griffith is mm -hmm. at this point. He's a better swords person, you know, compared to where he was, I don't know, three years ago, right? And to where he is now, he's just, he's a, a much better person as far as like his swordsmanship goes but uh, I think that Griffin can cannot go forward without Guts because he knows how valuable of a tool Guts is in his pursuit like he's the one that takes down a hundred people with his sword uh, nobody else in the, in the band can do this uh, he's the one he trusts to go in and you know, be the cleanup guy, um, go take care of it. Uh, who uh, there, there really isn't anybody else that can do what Guts can do for Griffith. So yeah. it's, I, an I think, it's an emotional reliance. Like he doesn't, he doesn't really need Guts to execute his plans in the sense that he could, if you look at it objectively, he could figure out other ways to get all his stuff done. It's, mm -hmm. not, like, it's not like he's facing like, Oh, and my rival has a you know a, a swordsman working for him that I can't defeat. Only guts could stop him, and then I need guts. It's more like he just can't cope with not getting all his all the things he wanted. Please, all the all the stuff, and he loses one. It's like a, it's like a baby throwing a tantrum to me. I was gonna say like a little kid, like what? No, my toy. Yeah. yeah. You're mine. Where are you going? Come back. You're mine. But yeah, to just throw everything out the window. Just he does talk about guts a lot, like a toddler would. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, You're my best friend. Come you on. belong to me. Isn't that what he says in the beginning? Is yeah. like you belong to me. You're mine. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah strange. Um, our friend Epic Tales is here. Epic Berserk hey, is one of my all-time favorite stories. And where exactly are you guys in the story so that I can offer thoughts without spoilers? Ooh. Volume nine. So Guts and at the end of this volume is where Guts and Casca first have sweet, sweet love out on the somewhere. <laughs> Lots, the whole chapters with no, no clothing in them whatsoever. Yeah, that and, last uh, one, yeah. And Guts confesses to having killed um, um, Gambino. And uh, so now the mafia is after him. <laughs> so I can't think of Gambino without imagining he's a character in The Sopranos. Um, that's <laughs> Griffith's in prison. 
and um, the Band of the Hawk is on a run, and they're planning to to free Griffith, mm-hmm. and they have not done it yet. That's where we are, or they haven't tried. This is like the scene in the Matrix, right, where Neo says, "We're gonna go save Morpheus." Right. Kind of seemed, yeah, I kind of felt like that. Yeah, yeah. like we're gonna yeah. go save all that. Everyone's like, "How? We need guns, guns. lots <laughs> of guns." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. They do. They, what, yeah. What did you all think of the fact that Guts's pursuit of his dream led to him just training on the mountains for what a year? <laughs> That seemed a little odd. I thought he would travel or like wander, like you know, kind of like get into adventures or something. But yeah, he just like swung his sword for a year. That seems a little yeah. odd. So did he just want to wield the sword without killing people? He didn't seem to have a problem with that. So yeah, it just felt very uh, what's the word futile. <laughs> he left to find his dream. Uh, didn't do anything beyond figuring out oh this is what I wanted all along and meanwhile the band has fallen apart Griffith has probably gone crazier than before and you know we know all of this leads to what's coming so I mean it's I yeah I I, it makes sense as a story I just I'm unhappy with the direction It has cultural significance in Japan, right? Like um, that whole go to the mountains to train. That's like um, I mentioned. I feel like I mentioned Masayama on this on this on this discussion before. He's the the guy who founded Kyokushin, which is like a karate style that was sort of famous for bare knuckle and the toughest guys who go full contact and beat the crap out of each other. I trained with those people, so I I train at yeah. Anyway, long, not not the point. But um, but Masayama's like story was he, he you know he's a Korean dude went to Japan took a Japanese name trained with 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 and then he went to the mountains and like punched trees for like a winter and came back and beat the crap out of everybody because you know after you punch trees for a winter, you're you're very and he was he was the guy who would like break like uh, kill bulls with his bare hands and like fight you know and 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 video recorded he became like a celebrity by doing stuff like that so this going into the mountains to train and becoming like a master of martial arts is like a thing that happens. You can watch movies about this, like Name of the Wind. I think, I think it's, it can't be Name of the Wind. I'm gonna for, I forgot the name. There's a movie about Masayama's like it's a fictionalized account of it, where he just goes to the mountains and trains for for whatever. For mm-hmm. a and but yeah. it's a thing. So like, mm-hmm. if you put it in context, it's like he's. It's like it's like a meditation thing. It's like a becoming a master thing. It's like a it's like a personal development thing that mm-hmm. is rooted in that in that culture. And given when, you know, uh, uh, Kentaro Miura was alive, he would have been, this would have been a very familiar thing to him and his readers, mm. this idea. So yeah. I think it, it probably seems less strange to them than it would to any of the rest of us. Mm. So so his goal, in a sense, was like mastery of the sword more than um, just, I, I will swing it. <laughs> look at all the training, if you look at anime with like training of like guys, like training in like kendo and like, uh, and like our swordsmanship in in you know in, in you know medieval times in, in Japanese like stories, they're often just standing there swinging a sword like a thousand like ten thousand times a day. Like that's often how they train, like mm-hmm. how it's depicted in the in, in in fiction. I'm not saying that I don't know if that's how they really train, but that that's how it's shown. So this is very much in line with that. Like this isn't out of character or something different. Mm-hmm. It's a way of centering yourself because in order to know yourself, 
You have to spend time with yourself. You have to be comfortable with yourself. Uh, in Western civilization, we are not comfortable with silence. We are not comfortable with going out and just spending time with ourselves. Um, it could be very uncomfortable, but for guts, I could see him just sort of recentering and spending time just being comfortable with himself. Um, so it reminds me of, I, I know I've got all these 80s movies in my head today, but uh, Rocky Four. remember oh, when Rocky is at, at his worst, right? And he's just lost his friend and he's got to go in combat against, you know, this new guy from Russia or the USSR at the time. And where does Rocky go? He doesn't go to like some high tech top of the line training facility. He goes out to the woods. <laughs> he's running up mountains in like, you know, five feet of snow and he's like dodging the KGB and whatever. I mean, he literally goes back to the mountains to trade. And, you know, of course, you know what happens at the end. I mean, Rocky's got to win, right? But again, that that's sort of going back out into nature and recentering yourself. So. I don't know. Sorry, 80s movies all day today. All day. <laughs> not, every, not every day, just today. <laughs> I wonder if Dr. Huff's stuff is related to HR. Mm -hmm. uh, no, that's, that's Daniel. Yeah, our friend. Daniel. HR Puffin stuff. Isn't that the, wasn't that the, the show? Uh, 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 the puppets from the 70s, like the kids show? Am I, I'm, I'm either getting the name wrong or I'm dating myself. Hey Daniel, thanks for coming by. Um, you know, I I hear what you, what everyone's saying about the you know find you know like taking the year and centering and all that makes a lot of sense and the training and the the cultural significance. But the I kind of took it as a like a way to move the story along for a year because the skeleton horseman or whatever we call him. He starts with one year one year hence shall be the time of the eclipse. So this is an easy way to get through a year of a story <laughs> to move us ahead to this prophecy. Instead of saying in 24 hours hence, it's like in a year. So it, it allowed them some room to to kind of fill in, you know, kind of push the story forward a year. And you have all these other events that happen that he doesn't have to tell us about. It just, by the way, Casca is running the Hawks now. Griffin's still in this prison being tortured. He may be dead. And Guts has been off in the woods punching trees. Kind of like <laughs> and, and also, like, Guts doesn't know about what happened to Casca and Griffin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it'd be hard to sell any other way that Guts would be anywhere other than away from civilization and just be yeah. like, I don't care. Oh, so no that, internet that, access. That's not, that's not, you're not going to buy that. So, yeah. <laughs> The Epic had a couple of comments. Uh, Guts became a crutch for Griffin, um, Guts that Griffin leaned on. Griffin didn't realize how much he relied on Guts until he decided to leave. Uh, Griffin saw himself as superior to everyone, and Guts was the only other person he acknowledged as anything equating to an equal. So to have Guts abandon him, he felt very lonely and betrayed. Uh, the sad thing is that Guts only left because he wanted to feel like an equal to Griffin. He wanted to be worthy of, to be worthy of Griffin's friend. Um, Berserk has so much subtext and nuance. Yes. And by the way, I think it's really cool you do MMA. I'm a huge fan, and I'm really looking forward to the big fight with Perry and Rockholes. <laughs> and Epic, we do this every Sunday, so uh, you know you're welcome to join us anytime. Good stuff there, though. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm still torn on um, like whether Griffith is crushed by losing the person he cherishes or just crushed by his first failure. I don't know if I'll ever have an answer to that question. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you, can, you can support either one, but that's what makes mm -hmm. this, book, this story fun is that it's open to competing interpretations, somewhat open. How, how did this evaluate in your theory for uh, that Griffith is looking for a friend? And I, I thought this sort of squared with your theory that you had earlier. Yeah, but you know, if he was really looking for a friend and a friend means someone who's going to go off and chase his own dream, then he shouldn't have been like, shattered by guts leaving. He should have been, you know, mm. Maybe, so maybe he didn't really want a friend, or maybe he, maybe his own, maybe he has contradictory needs. I mean, that happens, right? You sometimes want incompatible things. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. So, so he may be that he wanted guts by his side, even though on some level he may have also been wanted guts to be worthy of being his friend. He couldn't resolve those two, and that's that broke him. Because mm. you know, I mean, he's clearly broken. I don't think I don't think there's any reading of this where him like seducing the princess the way he did was like part of his plan. Mm. Like, yeah. like this is a failure. I think, yeah. I think you know, he, this is, this is a break. This isn't like, Oh really? He's doing this. So later on he can get the kingdom. No, I don't like we're past. Yeah. That. So, hmm. so he really fell apart, like fell apart hard. Because he, uh, what's that joke people like to use? He is a man who has backup plans for his backup plans, and he had none in this case. Like he just got caught. So, yeah, this was very reactionary. Yeah, yeah. And there's a little privacy in those rooms too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> just look through the, you know, like... <laughs> the peephole. Yeah, yeah that's big keyholes too. Yeah, the keyhole. <laughs> and. Uh... And uh, yeah, and the totally like, what was the point of the king um, busting his daughter? Oh my god, that I there's been so much gore in this book, but that was the first time I just, like quick flipped the pages. I'm like, nope, I can't, I can't look at this. Yeah, it was a little hard. I, I just yeah. want, it, it seems like it's another theme that runs through this because we first see it with uh, the count, and was it his daughter's Teresa? Right? Was it Teresa? And he adored her a little more than a father-daughter relationship. Mm -hmm. And now we have this king who's adoring his daughter a little more than a father-daughter relationship. So I'm trying to figure out if there's this correlation between people in power obsessing about their own, I don't know, children yeah. in that kind of way. It's just kind of, ugh. Yeah. And and it doesn't feel like a world where that's common, right? Like in Game of Thrones or whatever. But it it is just as disturbing for them as it is for us to read. And I I didn't feel like those scenes had a point in the story, so I don't know what that was about. Yeah, it just felt like a grim dark moment for the sake of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, see, the king's terrible too, and I'm like, mm -hmm. you didn't need that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he right. knew he was terrible, perhaps. Or I mean, yeah, so far. Yeah. He never came across as a particular yeah. character. It wasn't great, but yeah. never had reason to really dislike him or like him, you know, before mm -hmm. yeah. 
he felt sensible even right because he pr- was willing to promote griffith uh, yeah. even though he wasn't of royal origins yeah they didn't dwell on him oppressing his subjects any more than any other king you know anywhere else so they never portrayed him as a saint but never portrayed yeah. him as like you know nasty or terrible he was just there yeah. and now all of a sudden we're like oh okay he's molesting his kid that's fantastic it, um, maybe oh sorry did, did that me um But we did see that conversation with Griffith earlier where he sort of made him face his own lust towards his daughter, perhaps. And maybe that's he felt like, oh, everybody knows. So it's okay if I actually do something about it. Maybe that's the point of that scene. I don't know. (laughs) Or that Griffith has an impact on people in that way that maybe even if they weren't thinking about it they do now i don't know there maybe there's a connection there with your earlier conversation let me try muting myself to see if it's me Uh-oh. is it me or is it... <laughs> yeah. strange oh <laughs> there it goes it went away Oh, really. <laughs> <laughs> it might be phone ringing, perhaps. I, phones and mics don't get along, or that mm. used to be the case when I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, we'll just talk over it. <laughs> um, what was? I forgot where we were. Yes, uh, Griffith. Uh, having effect on people, perhaps, probably, but yeah, I don't see any other point to that. Maybe that was the point. Hmm. To show how how much power he has, even while chained up and locked up, he's still got like some kind of charisma or or, or ability to influence others, hmm. drive this king out of his mind. I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. No, I, I like that. I don't, I don't know. It was creepy, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, it I was thought... very difficult to read. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Steve. No, no, I'm sorry. Um, no, I, I agree. I, I think they could have showed that he had this attraction to her without going that. That went a little mm-hmm. far. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we didn't need like two whole pages of that. Yeah. Uh, I got a comment. Griffin is a very selfish character. He wanted it all. I don't think that it was this or that with him. I think it was this or that situation. And Berserk displays the full extent of human depravity. <laughs> it does. Mm. But at least, you know, but Griffith was always portrayed that way, right? He's always, from the very beginning, he's got a dream, he's pursuing it at all costs. No ifs, ands, or buts, right? There was never, like, any equivocation there, right? We, we had that from the start, so... Um, this is in line, I guess, with all that. But um, what else happened here? I feel like there was the king, the skeleton knight. Um, the dude who looks like he's from the Middle East, but was using a lot of Indian Indian names for his weapons. Oh, yeah, Silat, which is an Indonesian martial art. Oh, hmm. what is it called again? Silat is actually an, the guy's name is an Indonesian martial art. Penjak Silat. Oh, okay. I suppose that makes really sense. Bad if I'm on YouTube lives talking about martial arts wrong, I'll totally lose my decred. 
<laughs> he um so the chakram is a indian thing and urumi means thunder in telugu i think um I, so I was very confused about that. <laughs> yeah i was talking i remember i mentioned this before about how casca's dark skinned and there's this like uh sort of south asian fill-in mock culture mm. present this is our first view of it mm. uh, i don't know that there's a lot more but i think there's a, another two you know a couple characters from that i think he's just in there to to, to, to pad things yeah right a little 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 action put a put a cool mm -hmm. villain in there you can see like as a writer i can sort of see it like oh let's let's put the cool dude in there and he's got that famous thing where like you've got this like tough dude like killed like 130 men in the war only exists for like sets, you know, four pages to show how tough someone else is. So the other guy defeats him. And so that other guy can get defeated by guts. So you can get this like, Oh, guts is really strong now because he's defeating the guy who just wiped the floor with the guy who killed 130 other dudes. There's a famous thing in like uh Bach of the ground, like a lot of martial art manga, right? Some guy's like super tough and he's only in there for like four panels and some other guy just cleans his clock. So you know that the second guy is the, the first guy gets built up and not, and then the second guy is really the one you're worried about. So this is this is. <laughs> Can I make another reference to another '80s movie? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the and, um, oh, the yeah. yeah the arc. Remember the scene where they're out in the the bazaar and there's all these sword. This guy with a big sword comes and he's like whirling it around and then Indiana just pulls out his gun and shoots him. <laughs> And, and then he's done. That was apparently ad libbed. I think Harrison Ford is supposedly really, really tired, and he just did that as a joke. Really? Yeah, yeah. I have, I have, I have read that. Huh. You know, that's what I thought about with uh, the buildup of these characters. That they're just a bunch of like hoopla, and then nothing. So. Hmm. And Dolores, you had a. Oh, I'm sorry, Brusher. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. That was uh, in reference to uh, Casca's skin color. Dolores had a, a good comment about uh, on the video last week. Oh, yeah. So uh, oftentimes uh, the color of skin could indicate uh, if you're a laborer or if you're of the noble class. Because it, it's of the idea if you're darker, that means you must be working out in the sun. So you're getting more tan. So if you're more tan, that means you're just, you know, salt of the earth kind of. And you're just... A little peasant so we don't need to like interact with you where if someone was fair skin more likely to be pampered or wealthy so they wouldn't have to work as hard and they wouldn't have to labor so um, just one of the things i i encounter that a lot in uh, romance novels the, the characters are always worried about their complexion <gasps> don't go in the sun you'll get freckles you want you want smooth you know smooth fair skin basically oh, to sure. indicate that they're of higher noble standing right that they're wealthy so anyway. i went to an indian grocery store last week and there's a whole shelf of whitening skin whitening products my wife is just like shaking her head <laughs> yeah it's a thing her, out there it's a big her mother, business her mother was telling her the whole year before our well, the months before our wedding like stay out of the sun you don't want to be dark for the photos and of course she you know i don't care she doesn't care but we're just like no no it's okay mom like be dark <laughs> Joe will be pale. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Enough for It's still a thing today. Like, you know, if you're going to go out in the sun, you put a hat on, you sunblock, you stay out of the sun, you carry a little parasol. Uh, yeah, all those different things. 
I do oh, yeah. have a question. So the torturer, the one that's torturing Griffith, is that one of the people in the God Hand? Because <laughs> he looks like him. He's another egg-faced man. <laughs> yeah, he was just so, like, I was just trying to figure if he was the same person. Probably not, but. I think Kintaro just likes drawing egg-faced bad people. I don't know why. Yeah. But, um, They're like this indication of, like, evil. It's a little racist. Not racist. What is it? Shape, head shape. Stereotype, right? Like, you've got a stereotype of, like, people with egg heads are just evil and torturous and <laughs> reminds me of that old science where they would use skull shape to determine your personality there's a word for that it was a whole thing in like the 1800s and i cannot remember what it's called it's like awesomely stupid but like people really believed it <laughs> like take measurements of like prisoner skulls like clearly you committed the crime because this diameter was whatever yeah we get a big brain or something, right? They had a bigger head to hold a bigger brain. I really thought it mapped to personality in very in ways that we would find very strange, but I can't remember the name of it. Um, yeah, so I was just trying to figure out if that torture was the same one or not. I think, yeah, probably not. Yeah, probably not, but they do have the same head. They've got this big uh, egg head <laughs> shape going. Yeah. The count, the minister. This yes, day. even the bell. Was it ballot? Yeah, even that even the ballot. Yeah, the ballot. <laughs> <laughs> ballot, ballot. <laughs> even that is, is an egg. Is an egg shape. So. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that is it. That, that's even. <laughs> yeah, it's evil. Stay away from it. It's evil. Yeah, I was I was curious about the um, the weapons that the Salat is that his name fellow was using are they made up or real do you think oh the punch daggers those are yeah. and the five blade whip thing that he was using uh, a whip sword um they have whip swords in in that general region i don't know if they have five blades hmm. that's outside that but i've seen whip swords i don't know where i don't know where it's in asia somewhere Hmm. I'm not trying to say all Asians the same, but I got phrenology. Oh, sweet. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to really bug me. I was going to Google it at some point. <laughs> That's the, the, the shape of your head determines your personality stuff. Phrenology. Thank you. Oh, oh that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, I was thinking phlebotomy, and I'm like, that's not right. No. <laughs> I, knew, I knew it was wrong. <laughs> Hope you're doing good, Rob. Hope you're having a good day, Robin. Uh, yeah. Epic. If you guys think they went far in volume oh. nine, oh boy, you're in for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh my. It, 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 yeah, it gets dark. Well, we know it gets darker because we've read volume mm -hmm. one. And volume one definitely hints that things are going to get worse. Yeah. Sorry. A lot of manga takes inspiration from real life cultures, mythologies, and folklore. Oh, sure. <laughs> Yeah, but it's funny how he just combines like different like uh, different Asian cultures into one mishmash, which is fine. I mean, he's, I mean, I, I I'm not saying he's wrong. I mean, uh, uh, you know, Shooter and Midlander, a mishmash of European stuff from different places and, and extrapolations from that. I don't know. I'm not necessarily saying he's like wrong to do it, but um, it's just a contrast that there's a bigger world out there, which is sort of interesting. 
I like Salah. I always like Salah. Do we say more or don't? I don't know. I don't know if I want to know for spoiler reasons. We uh, see more stuff from him. We see more like stuff from. I'm not saying it's a huge part of it. I'm not really giving anything away. You will see references to that that nation or that area in the future. Okay. When other people show up or other things show up. That it will show up again. I don't, I don't remember being huge, but it will be there. Um, and Costco, of course, expresses her feelings for Griffith by uh, for guts by attacking him with a sword. Yeah, <laughs> of course she does. I think that's the only way she sort of knows how to express some emotion, right? Is to just go into a bit of rage and just <laughs> like let's go talk for a minute, and then she pulls out her. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, let's just fight it out. <laughs> And then he chokes her and is like, uh, if you want me to leave, I will or I'll make it up to you in battle. And I'm like, buy her roses? I don't know, dude. Come up with another uh gotta be more you gotta have more dimensionality here. Just, uh, I'll 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 kill another hundred dudes for you if you forgive me. Like, come on, man. And that's kind of how he how he's learned to show that he cares or that he's that's his way of expressing emotion. Like that's all he knows. That's his love language. Yeah, his love <laughs> Murder. murder and violence. <laughs> I'll kill people for you. I'll make it up to you. Yeah, that's the true sign of devotion, right? Let me go and slaughter people. <laughs> uh, that could be the subtitle of the series, Berserk. <laughs> My love language is murder. <laughs> well, it also shows that he still has his own traumas, right? Like oh, yeah. he's yeah. carrying from his experience like someone that somebody sold him out and he's still carrying this right this uh, yeah and very explicitly and very not subtle like no. he literally stands there and says these are my traumas and he's not this book is this volume is like it does a lot of stuff but i almost feel like it wasn't as high quality of writing mm -hmm. Like he just comes out and says his traumas, and it's like, and she says, "Well, I'll help you deal with them." And I'm like, for a, for a book that's been for a series that's been very sort of subtle and understated in in, in in some of that stuff, this was very overstated and in your face. I mean, he did just try to strangle her, so I feel like maybe he felt like he owed her a full and proper explanation. But I'm more shocked that he was self aware enough to like connect those things like all of a sudden it's like it's like or maybe that was the point that they're showing that after a year in the mountains he's gained that self-awareness to sort of say and they've really forgiven myself for this thing i tried and i thought i had but i haven't maybe they're trying to say he's grown from his year of swinging a sword of trees <laughs> the guilt has gotten to him and he needed some some way to i guess repent or to sort of make peace with it but uh, but it's also pretty significant, right? Because he normally doesn't like people touching him, and he's and he's engaging in yeah. one of the most intimate things that you can with another human uh, to like embrace and to touch. And now he's actually doing that. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of he's like progressed along in his own, I guess, development. But then he turns around and tries to you know choke her out. So who hasn't though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this part, yeah, a little. But uh, yeah, just. Yeah, I was thinking Glock the two. 
The torturer. I haven't read the first law yet. The torturer. Yeah. It does yeah. Look like, yeah. And that that's some strange body proportion there as well. Yeah, that's just trying to portray him as the, the form torture is not a great um not a great trope. I'm surprised the the was the Bahalet that it lasted that long, as it as long as it did on him. Because after they did everything they did to him, I think they would take it off of him right away. Maybe it hid itself. Maybe like it has mag like maybe it has magical powers and like it it reveals itself when it wants to. <laughs> maybe the Bahalet uh, only stays with you if you have. Uh, the ability to fulfill your big ambitions and since Griffith was taken there it left him though that's not hmm. yeah well, I mean like it was pulled out of him but you know that's a good hypothesis we'll see if it comes back to him and if that mm -hmm. if that goes in line with what you're saying hmm. I kind of like that thought I think that's because I don't remember but like if, if at some point like he gets sort of some power back and then it comes back to him yeah or not like, is that not the order of things? I'm curious. Now I, I don't remember. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> years ago, I read this. Something like that. Um, okay, so Griffith has been tortured. Bellhood's gone. Got some Costco finally hook up. What were we asking? Someone asked like 10, like five, six volumes ago if Guts and Casco will ever become friends. Yeah. I think we have an answer. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, we do. <laughs> Um, I, I spoiled myself for this too. So, you know, don't go looking for the covers of uh, the volumes. I was trying to find the covers of the original volumes and then I accidentally turned to a page too soon. And... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta cover your eyes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait till the end. <laughs> or actually, don't even go to the internet because I got spoiled that, that way too. <laughs> Yeah, I try not to even look. But this this old cover struck me as being silly. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is not Casca as we know her. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Guts holding a shield? Is that Guts holding a shield? Oh, yeah, he does, a shield. he is. Yeah, he does have a shield. He never uses a shield. Yeah. He's shielding heart. Even in volume one, does he have a shield? No, he's just swinging the sword. I wonder sure. if Trying to protect himself and protect his heart. Oh. <laughs> it's sort of romantic, right? I mean, this romantic version of the two of them. Like, we sort of hope they would stay together forever, right? And that this is like a fairy tale and it ends all happy. But we know that's not the case. <laughs> if 80s movies have taught us anything. Oh, yeah. It's it's so interesting that he, he started where he did. Like, I, I keep imagining if you had read this series and not read the first, like, couple volumes. Like, it, our understanding, our, our, our thought process would be so different about where things were going and our assumptions would be so... We know he ends up with the brand, losing a hand and an eye, like, on the run. Like, we know that. Mm -hmm. right? So that's informing all of our understanding of everything. Like, he and Costco together were like, well, that's not going to last. You know, we know yeah. right away. Like this is not this is not, not going to have a happy ending here, or at least not a happy middle, right? Um, it's so interesting. Like I wonder if Mura like released those first couple volumes and like regretted it, 
you know, like, oh, I wish I could have just started from where this saga started, you know, this, this arc, mm. but, um, or not. I know people always give me crap because I always start my, I start my first three books at the end, like a little snippet from the end. And then back. I get a lot of crap from people. A lot of people like, that makes me so angry that I do that. And I'm like, I like it, you know, and then I, I'm not doing it in book four, but. Um, oh, hooray. It's good to hear. Cause yeah. <laughs> I was shocked when I started too. And I was like, oh, you're starting at the way you started in book. Why? Why? Yeah, I, I, it, it has advantages, but you know, it does. I, uh, you know, what? I think you raise an interesting point. Would our perspective have changed if we maybe started at volume three and not volume one? Right. I think I would have had a different perspective. Because I would have just been like, okay, we're along on this journey with Guts, right? And, you know, hey, he's got both arms. Well, we wouldn't have known it at that point, right? But now we're just sort of waiting till we get to that issue when we know he's going to lose his hand. <laughs> yeah, so his hand, we know things with, with, you know, we know the band of the Hawks going to, he's not going to be with them. Because mm -hmm. right? in volume one, he's on his very def definitively. You know, he picks up the elf thing, but he's on his own. Um, we know the world changes, right? Because the world is has like a lot of like mystical stuff in it in volume one, and mm -hmm. here it really doesn't. Mm -hmm. right? So the, or the world changes, or he goes somewhere else, or he's moved. He's moved to a different part of the world. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that we we, we learn from that. And uh, you know, I, I I always wonder if like you know he just drew the first volume and then decided to go back, and or if he planned this very carefully. You know, I could see either way. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying it's bad storytelling. I think it's very interesting storytelling. But anyway, it's good stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, epic comments. Guts learned about learns about friendship, loyalty, and self awareness. Remember how hurt he was when he overheard Griffin saying he has no friends because a friend is an equal who has their own separate ambitions. Mm -hmm. But it's not like he's become this super evolved, like mature. I mean, again, we know. He, he, we know from volume one that he's not like super like emotionally put together well, or it doesn't last. He's gonna get broken, or he's or something, or revert a little bit. I do like Silla. He does have that cool. moment of regret in this volume, uh, or considering regretting in this volume when he thinks back to all the fun he had with um i think the first night he's alone or something and he's wondering whether he threw away a good thing to find something that maybe doesn't exist so <laughs> i mean it's kind of funny he did leave these people and cause them a huge amount of trouble so he could swing his sword of the mountains for a year by himself if you, yeah you know, yeah it's a little like, mm, okay <laughs> <laughs> weird yeah. yeah is it it was it him being selfish or was this about being self-preservation yeah and i guess you can look at it from two different ways right i mean he's selfish but everyone's selfish right griffith isn't not selfish when griffith mm -hmm. sends him to like kill a bunch of people to like keep his to keep his like you know dream alive i mean everybody's doing you know what they do he didn't swear i'm going to follow the, the band of the hawk for the rest of my life you know he you sign up for a mercenary band you sort of you sign up until you you're done and he didn't betray them in battle he didn't like sell them out to like an enemy he just waited till the battle was over and everything was calm and said i'm leaving now you don't need me and you guys figured out like 
We shall see. We shall see. Do we have any predictions for the next volume? I think they're going to try to rescue Griffith. <laughs> uh, epic comments is from someone who has read Berserk more than four times. You'll understand why uh, Maria plotted it the way he did. It's an emotional roller coaster that helps you empathize with Guts and Griffin. I've never empathized with Griffith, and I read it, I'm on, but I'm only on read three. One, one more. One more. One more. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be tedious. It's like forty two volumes, forty one. Mm. It's something like that. Yeah. I have them all on a shelf. So. I'm, I'm gonna keep predicting that next volume. Guts loses his hand. <laughs> <laughs> it will be true eventually. <laughs> I'll get it right eventually. And I keep forgetting the eye. Okay. And the bold decision not to have an eye patch, which is to keep his eye closed mm. at all times. It's a it makes a statement. Makes a statement. Yeah. yeah, definitely makes a statement. I wonder if that's more or less threatening. Because the eye patch comes with its own class of, you know, threatening. The eye patch is good because you can keep stuff back there, like <laughs> metro card. <laughs> Maybe an extra hand. I'm getting a headache just thinking about it. Keys. <laughs> car key. Oh, I got it. Hold on, I got it right here. <laughs> it's like its own built-in safe. Snacks, like having a beer, right? You know, like nice. Later. Nice. <laughs> I see, that's why your Metro got it. Uh, are you ahead as well? I guess you have read it more than more than one time. I, I, I mean, I started reading them when they came. I don't know how many times I've read through the series, but I started pretty much when it came out. So. Uh, and then I read it, I read it through like, you know, like, you know, 25 would come out and I'd reread the first like 22 or whatever, and then read through. I've done that several, I don't know how many times I've lost count, but uh, huh. I remember, I remember trying to remember the first time I read it. I think it was when I got my son. That can't be the first time. Anyway, not important. Oh my God. <laughs> 2003. I read it for the first time in 2003. My daughter had just been born and I was on, on paternity leave and she was sleeping a lot because she was newborn. And that was the first time I read through Berserk. Hmm. Nice. A little detail that's no one cares about. That's a nice memory to have about a favorite book. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Map it out. Any uh, any predictions, Varsha and Dolores? Let me see. Yeah, I think they're going to try to rescue Griffith. I think, I'm not predicting the hand yet, that I will wait for later. <laughs> I think the eclipse will happen in the next issue, maybe. Mm. Interesting. It's mm -hmm. about time. It's yeah, actually, it is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if it's been a year, and you said a year from now, or roughly, you know, give or take. <laughs> is it yeah. exact? Is it exactly one year? <laughs> it, what time zone are we in? Exactly. <laughs> Can you be more specific? You know? <laughs> yeah. You're talking UK time? Yeah. They're not very, uh, yeah, they're pretty loose-handed with their prophecies, no? Just e eclipse a year from now, but we've already be been at a year. <laughs> and it's really interesting to try to think about the Skeletonite and what side he's on and what he's trying to do. And I feel yeah. like I remember reading this before and always feeling that it was, like, hard to figure out. Like, yeah. is, he on the side? Is, he on the, is he on the side of the hand? Is he opposing them? Is he... What, what what what's the purpose of this warning he gives Griffith, which he gives guts, which seems so vague as to be useless? 
And Griffith still had his behelet at the time the skeleton knight made his prophecy, right? Because Zod was only interested in guts because of his association with Griffith, who had the behelet. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I wonder if it still holds now that it should, I suppose, because the story needs to move. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's interesting. I guess he'll get the bullet back. Yeah, maybe who's who? Who will have it next in the next volume, or is it stay disappear? Is it you know, is it in hiding for a couple of issues? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where it makes its reappearance again. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Well, thanks everybody for coming by this uh, this Sunday. We'll do it again next week, volume ten, in deluxe (laughs) edition four. For those of you without the OG copies, like like Joe, the cool kid over here. <laughs> if I had it right here, I, I should have brought it down so I could show it, but it's upstairs. I will so, so before we go, Dolores, will you tell us where people can find you if you want to be found? Uh, I am on page Chewy. So if you'd love to chat about other books or just literary things in general, send me a message there. I like to pop in and out and um, just get to meet new people so that's where you can find me nice and joe how's that where can people find you and how is that july deadline looking the july i, I just i just hit twenty five thousand words i got the first nine chapters done on book four <laughs> and, uh, yeah. raise the roof raise the roof it's uh it's coming along uh, uh uh pretty 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 good i got some beta readers lined up for june need beta readers for june he wants to read book four and tell me how much uh, how crappy it is, um, but I have the I have the storyline already. So you can find me at jcmburn.com. You can find me on my YouTube channel where I just released a video about. I have no idea. Superheroes. Uh, superheroes. Deconstruct. What deconstruction? What literary deconstruction means, and what superheroes are, which mm-hmm. I thought was took me a long time to figure out, and I was quite proud of myself for. Um, and then I have a poll, put a Twitter poll, and apparently my next video has to be on why read indie books. Or why write indie books? I was I was ambiguous, and because it's a Twitter poll, it's legally binding. So that's going to be my next video. <laughs> so, uh, and the funny part is, like, more people voted on my Twitter poll than we usually watch my videos. Like, I'm like, okay, I mean, that's fine. It's not, it's not like wrong, but I'm like, okay. I guess the ways uh, of the internet. Yeah, it's just funny. Uh, I got my I guess my Twitter reach is just bigger than my YouTube reach. So uh, uh, that's uh, yeah, that's it. But enjoy the Twitter polls while you can, because yeah. you'll have, you have to pay for that action here pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. I, last one. And Varsha? <laughs> yes, uh, you can find me on my channel, Reading by the Rainy Mountain, and the About page has information on ways to reach me directly. <laughs> easy, easy. <laughs> so uh, thanks, everyone, for coming by. We'll do it again next week. If you want to join us, just visit our forums and check it out. We have the events on the calendar. And uh, just anyone's welcome to join. So, thank you, Steve. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we'll thank see everyone you. next week. Thanks, everybody. Awkward pause time. <laughs>